Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, why has the mainstream media become a target for protesters? A crew member of a hit reality TV show brings COVID-19 to Byron Bay. So what does this mean for other productions? And what we learned from Nine's upfront presentation. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And it's a big hello as I say, G'day, Sarah. Good morning. It's 5am here. <laughs> Sarah Monaghan, you absolute legend. Malk is with us as well. Hello, Malky. Hi, Rob. Aaron is with us in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people. And we're in WA getting ready for the AFL Grand Final this weekend. Ah, and it's his Second week as an official cast member of TV Black Box, and he's not here. Robbo is missing in action. I guess he was really upset he wasn't in the newsletter. Oh, seriously, I've heard about that multiple times. Um, Robbo is at a concert he was already going to before I moved the recording of the podcast, and that is because I have a new job. I am going to be the executive producer of Afternoons with Sophie Formica on 4BC. I'm thrilled about this. Absolutely thrilled. That's great, Rob. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. And I absolutely love you working with Sophie for Micah. And for my time in my era, she was, of course, part of Saturday Disney. And now you see it. So I know all about Sophie. Sounds good. I'll be listening uh, on the uh, online. Well, you can listen through the radio or on the 4BC app or at the website, 4bc.com.au. And I start that job next week. But it will not interfere with TV Black Box. And what I love about Nine is they employ you. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, we had the conversation about TV Black Box and their view was you are employed by the radio section of the company. It does not conflict with what you do at TV Black Box. It's like uh, the Sydney Morning Herald is independent and they really do. And I, I know from previous experience that they really take that seriously. So they do not have any expectations of what I do with TV Black Box. And I think that's great, which uh, allows me to remain independent with what I do outside of the job. So if something really sucks, you're allowed to say so. Yeah, pretty Rob, much. it's great. We all look forward to our own segments inside a month. all right let's get into the news and we begin with those riots in melbourne where a channel 7 reporter was attacked and had urine thrown on him and his cameraman and i use the term riot with intent reporter paul dowsley was grabbed around the neck and tackled while reporting live on the protests over mandatory vaccinations as demonstrators marched from cfmeu headquarters to parliament house the latest incident comes after a string of attacks towards the mainstream media, or MSM, who are often accused of bias. Sarah, there are certain sections of the community that simply don't trust the mainstream media, and it usually is those on the far right or the far left who say, mainstream media, you're evil, you're doing Rupert Murdoch's bidding, you're doing the government's bidding. I mean, the mainstream media, for want of a better term, has an image issue. Well, and it's like Australia's following in the American footsteps. Like they're watching all of the, the riots here. They're watching QAnon. But it is it's like the, 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 the liberals or the American liberals like hate anything to do with Murdoch or Fox News or any of those. And then mm. everyone on the other side hates CNN. And But, I mean, to be fair a lot of the media has split into two factions. So, But not this, in this country. 
In America, that's absolutely true. Right. And in the US, they are definitely pandering to each audience. And the, the audience has split to go to each side and both distrust the other side. But Australia, like, even when I was in the military in the US, we would switch to Australian news occasionally to get an impartial view of something that was happening in the world. So mm. I find it fascinating that Australia is splitting off and not trusting each side of the media when it's still very impartial. Like, it's confusing to me. I'm like, are you guys just reading too much weird conspiracy theory stuff on the internet and you're hating on people? But I, I see on the internet people, like, really, really hate on anything to do with Murdoch. And for the most part, like, I go to news.com.au just because it's so easy because it's just it's just consolidated yeah. everything. Um, and people just hate on it. And they're like, oh, well, you're reading propaganda. And I'm like, it's not propaganda. It's just, you know, it's got everything that I need. Um, and and the thing weird. is with news.com.au is that even though it's part of Rupert Murdoch, it its objective is different to what the Daily Telly or the Oz might be. And what I would say, I find Australian TV newsrooms very much down the line. They don't take an editorial viewpoint, but that doesn't play into the narrative of these protesters. The problem that we face is that what you're saying, Sarah, is in essence true about how the American media is being shaped and all of the rest of it. One of the glorious things that we can blame the internet for is that we all get to see it in real time. So there were more than a couple of Trump flags seen at this protest in Australia, right? And and there's already been, it's been confirmed that there is, it's not only um CFMEU members, union members in the protest, that there's a whole lot of professional agitators, not professional, mm. agitators and anti-vaxxers and all sorts of people trying to hijack it, trying to push their cause and, and make trouble, basically. Uh, and that's that's really problematic. Uh, I, I think that what we have in Australia within our newsrooms commercially and uh, from the ABC and SBS is some really great journalists and, and editors and news editors who do a great job to deliver us the news. If yep. you want to get opinion, there are also plenty of venues to get that in Australia. However, it is reasonably clearly marked that over here is opinion territory and over here is news territory. Yeah, like to me, seven and nine are just straight news. I mean, if you're going to like and ten. a project, then maybe it's opinion. But, like, just regular news is just well, regular news. it's a panel news. show that's allowed to have opinions. But that's yeah. the catch, right? We get from 5 to 6.30 on 10, we get news. From 6 to 7 on 7 and 9, you get news. From 7 to 7.30-ish, you get news on the ABC. Um, mm. Like, that's that's the joy that we see. It's it's There's the clear delineation. And they all play a straight bat. And, and we are the better for it. The challenge is that when people like... Like a number of the views that are being held within the crowd that are uh, arcing up in this protest, come in with a bit of misinformation, half information, or just choose to ignore or refute facts without any kind of basis, there's no opportunity to kind of convince them otherwise. Yeah. Well, let's move on because it was a confident nine that held its Upfronts event last week with a slate of new programs building on top of a solid foundation. The mainly live stream saw a pitch to advertisers to try a different form of buying to the traditional rate card. They are switching to CPM for all their sales outside of prime time on the main channel. And the network has claimed ownership in its core demo of 25 to 54. Aaron, what were your big takeouts from this event? Well, I think the obvious one is that Nine have gone with the if it's not broken, don't fix it approach, which is understandable considering they still have strong franchises uh, in Married at First Sight, Australian Ninja Warrior, Lego Masters, The Block, Celebrity Apprentice, Travel Guys. They're all still strong. So why wouldn't you continue They've that? They've got strong foundations, right? Absolutely. And then they're just throwing in some obdoc type shows like Million Dollar Murders, Missing Persons Unit and Australia Beh- uh, Behind Bars. That will probably add to their 8.39pm slot, which is a great thing we've talked about that why aren't the networks Mm -hmm. you know using those slots and i obviously think that's where those shows will go which is fantastic still to come in 2021 we did get the love island australia air date smacked back on uh bang on october the 4th and about the lego masters special which is good but um they did throw in that country country home rescue with Shayna blaze i didn't hear anything about that one so i assume that will follow the block mark what was your take out of the event I think it was reflective in what Aaron was saying. You know, they have great foundations that they can mm. program across the year and know that 
through this season, if we want to look at it that way, this show's going to perform well. And then this show comes off the back of that. This one leads into that. And that's really mm. important for, for Nine, and they've worked hard for it to get to that point. I'm really looking forward to the 18th birthday party of The Block next year, uh, where we all get <laughs> wow. to buy a beer. I know, 18 seasons. It's pretty huge. Um, nostalgia brands, you could call them that, I guess, given that The Block has been going for that long. Uh, but they have been performing. That's the only reason that they're still around. Um, they brought back the Celebrity Apprentice with Lord Alan Sugar this year, and to see that returning is great. Um, I, I think the thing that probably stood out the most to me was that they're still willing to risk drama. Um, mm. And after the verdict will be great to see and, and see how that looks. That's a, a look at a, a jury and how they deal with the case and, of course, the aftermath when they come out of the, the courtroom. Did they, you know, say, did they finger the right person effectively? Um, and it's not a nine upfronts every other year without an underbelly. Um, so the <laughs> Melissa Caddick story, uh, the Melissa Caddick story being brought to life in underbelly vanishing act might feel too soon for some people. Uh, I think it's timely. And, and in fact, I think we talked about it earlier in the year when the story took place that really quickly after um, she vanished that there was options thrown around for people wanting to pick up the story. Uh, and mm. I think a couple of networks or at least a couple of production companies were toying with the idea. Look, it's it's going to be a, a, a challenging year in 2022 because, again, still coronavirus affected for production, nine and seven are going to give us some really good runs next year. And this is a great start from nine to see what we're going to get out of them. I can't wait for Lego Masters Christmas. I think it's going to be great. As predicted by Aaron, not predicted, reported on. Uh, look, <laughs> it was interesting, Mulk. You and I attended a media briefing mm. the day before the upfronts where we're told information under embargo. And there was an interesting piece from that that uh, – I want to talk about because it was interesting to see Nine's reaction to the under 50s demo, Tennis Chaser. <laughs> Sorry. Nine, when, when asked about this, Nine said they've never had a client come to them wanting to target an under 50s demo specifically. They also said they don't understand why there's an under 50s demo. I found that very, very interesting, Mulk. Yeah, they reinforced Um you know, Steve O reinforced that for nine, it's all about the what is it, the eighteen to forty nines, twenty five to fifty fours, and grocery borrowed child. But it wasn't even just that; it was a dismissal of the very concept. It was, and I was trying to move past it because that that's exactly it. And I think that reinforces that while ten want to hang on to that as an opportunity, God bless them, they can go hard at the market. If nine are saying that the people that they deal with that want to buy slots and want to get their their customers involved in Nine's business aren't coming to them asking for that information or to, to pitch to that demo, either they're going to 10, which, you know, because they're trying to sell it, or they're just not looking at that demo. Yeah. All right. A crew member from Channel 10's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here has been charged after she allegedly visited a number of non-essential venues in Byron Bay while infected with COVID-19. Sources tell TV Black Box the crew worker is a makeup artist. And I'll say, Sarah, that if this lady is found guilty of these charges, then she has a lot to answer for. This could potentially risk future productions. No one in Byron Bay is going to want these productions coming to their area if there's a possibility of COVID. Well, especially since it's turned into such an anti-vax area where people aren't vaccinated to start with and then you're bringing a disease in that they're all very vulnerable to. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to keep being makeup people, I guess because they're constantly in people's faces. But, because um, they're, 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 the problem with makeup people is they are usually freelancers. Uh, and they go from station to station. It's unbelievable. Uh, a makeup person might work on Studio 10 one day and then Sunrise the next and mm. then Today Extra the day after. They are all over the place. But the big issue I have here, Aaron, is I want to ask this question. If this was a truck driver not associated with the media industry, would they have named and shamed him? Do we keep the name quiet? And I don't know the name. Would we do the media keep the name quiet because it's someone in the media? Oh, it's hard. But, I mean, we don't usually uh, give out names, as you said, for truck drivers. Usually someone does. Yeah. Court lists are publicly available. When this lady goes to court, 
this it's whole, going to be there. This whole thing, you know, the story turned on its head, though, because obviously it was disappointing um, because they were re- everyone's regularly tested, they were wearing the correct PPE, and they were double vaccinated. So but she it, went out into the community when she was not allowed to. And that's what I was getting to. The, sto- the story turned on its head. So, I mean, originally I was going to say, you know, you, this is how the this this disease works. It's infectious and, and it's unfortunate. But if she's been sort of shopping and eating down Byron Bay shops and it's, you know, the, the town would be extremely disappointed, extremely. And I don't know how this is going to affect Love Island too because isn't that filming in Byron? Yes, it is. In fact, most of the crew from I'm a Celebrity are moving across to uh, Love Island. And But the problem is, Malk, everyone thinks they're the exception to the rule. This lady had an exemption to go from the hotel to the work site and was not to go into the community, and allegedly she, she did. Yeah, I don't know that it's the story taking a turn. I think that's the story. You know, yeah. if she'd gone to the site and gone to a hotel and then gone home after a gig, we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, the, the challenge is, and it's exacerbated by the fact that not only did she go into town, she didn't even check in using COVID, like standard COVID protocols. And I think the name and shame thing is exacerbated now because, like, I, I don't think that we should reasonably anyway. I mean, once once it's before the courts, it becomes a whole other thing. But once we get to the point of it, should people be named if they're not charged, absolutely they shouldn't be. Um, but she's been charged. She has been charged. I appreciate that. It's exaggerated because of the pressure around coronavirus and people all want to scapegoat because all of a sudden I had my freedoms, air quote, and now I'm locked down again for a week. Um, hello from week 13 of lockdown. Um, it's 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 a difficulty that I appreciate. Look, this woman did the wrong thing. There is no ifs and buts about that. She's going to have to deal Allegedly. with the consequences. Oh. Mate, I don't know about allegedly. There's, there's well, some pretty she's serious stuff about it. entitled to the presumption of innocence until it's proven in a court Oh, yeah, but I'm not the court, so I can say that I think she did the wrong thing. Um, uh, you know, the, the challenge in it is that she's now going to face the consequences of whether or not she did the wrong thing. Um, a, as for the rest of it, it does have a knock-on effect because not only are those communities in lockdown, it absolutely could impact um, future productions happening in the area. It's absolutely going to impact Love Island's filming at the moment because that's going to be problematic for them. Uh, and, and look, I think part of the issue we face is that as a country, the whole, the whole lot of us are almost coiled like a spring. We are over lockdowns, ins and outs, daily updates, the whole shebang about coronavirus, the pandemic, we are done, cooked, and we just want it to be over. So everybody is keen to see things be finished and get organised, and when we get to this point where, right, when we can kind of smell the finish line and something like this happens, I can understand why people are frustrated and angry and feel like they need a scapegoat when this, this goes on. All right, it was a controversial Monday night on SAS Australia with some viewers left wondering, has it gone too far? First was the infamous boxing challenge, but it was the uncensored footage showing the camp's communal toilet bucket exploding on Alicia Mollick and Heath Shaw that many drew the line at. Aaron, you're a fan of the show. Did this disturb you? Absolutely not. It it is absolutely my favourite show and I understand that it's not everyone's taste and it is certainly confronting and even controversial. But, I mean, if you don't understand the point of the show and why either a celebrity or ordinary person go on that show, then that would make you think that the show has gone too far. Most celebrities that have been on the show um, have have gone in there and said, this has literally changed my lives. It's, yeah. it, it's healed fear, it's healed anxiety, depression, anger mm. issues, failure, all that sort of stuff. And um, take someone like Bonnie Anderson, I bet she's had a, a major transformation being on that show. And that's warts and all. And that will include exploding bags of crap because that's what happens in, in those kind of conditions. So that's what the show is about. it's a new format. This is, you know, they've seen the last series of SAS Australia and before that they could have watched the English version. They know what they're signing up for. Mm, absolutely. Of course, nobody's going to go on the show and be like, I did the show because I'm a D-rated celebrity who hasn't gotten work in a long time and this was the first thing I was offered, so I did it. Like, that's really the reason a lot of people are going on the show, but they have to come up with a cute, catchy Wait, reason. Wait, you in talks to do it? 
yeah, that's the only reason I would do it. <laughs> Seriously. Like, and they're all like, you know, and this season they were, because I actually did start watching it, and they're like talking about, don't tell us you came on the show because, you know, you're trying to resurrect your career. Because they know that that's what 90% of the people on the show are doing because that's legit the first thing sure. that they're going to do. I mean, nobody goes on torture punishment television because, oh, I just want to find out more about myself. That's bullshit. It's a lie. It's what everybody says. I'm redeeming myself, whatever. No, you're going on because it's a paycheck. I reckon that for every other show, maybe like I'm a celebrity, you want your paycheck and all that. But if you're signing up for something like SAS, you're getting your clothes off and all that kind of stuff. And, but and I don't and think people knew that, that they punishment. were going to get their clothes off. There was like, when I yeah, talked about it, there was no that, discussion that there would be nudity. They were naked in the first season. Just watch, a, just watch a previous season. Right, but if you had not, like, if you were doing the first season, did you, would you it know? It was a, an English series. You could easily, easily see what the show's about. Having been in the actual military, uh, there is no <laughs> nudity between co-ed groups. There is nudity, yes, absolutely, there's communal showers, but there's no co-ed nudity, and you're not being broadcast to thousands. I got into an argument with someone on, on Instagram because you're not being broadcast hmm. to the entire world. It's only your platoon hmm. that sees you naked, and it's only people of your same sex. So I think, you know, if you're a celebrity and you're going on TV and they were buck naked, like bending over, like people were blurring out, like, you know, pubic hair and assholes. I mean, that to me seems like maybe just a tad much. I tend to, I tend to agree with you, like Sarah, because you've got that background, but I just... Maybe I'm a viewer and I get sucked in by it, but someone like Bonnie Anderson who had said that she had actually had a bad relationship, but she wanted to come out of her own. Like, doing this really made her feel, like, independent and that she can do something herself. I mean, unless all that's bullshit, but it did seem like a, a, a major personal thing for her. I just can't believe it's all bullshit. She is an actress. Mm. The thing that I'm throwing <laughs> about SAS Australia is that if it is such a, you know, life-changing, heart-rending, you know fix my life moment don't accept the money don't take oh, the 45 no, 60 70 it's 100 fair it's one if you're going there to change your life you don't need to be paid i understand it's commercial television all the rest of it paul oh. manu didn't get paid anything because it's a part of his contract everyone else yeah so he was out cash. after three episodes he was like nah, that's, he was gone mate i'm not getting into a, a truck that's going in the water um it's it's they know what they're going into. So the whole and and I, I would even challenge the idea that this is a a life changing heartbreak. Go and see a counselor. Speak to a therapist. Oh, Holy crap! Come on, come on, mate. I can promise you this: you don't get naked in front of your therapist and have it broadcast across the country. Oh, hang on, I did. <laughs> well, you didn't go to a therapist. You went to. I can't say that word now. That's wrong. No, when I was in Boy Scouts, we did cope, which is challenging outdoor personal experience, which was kind of like, you know, it was all executives of big companies would come and pay and do like the high courses and all of the the really intense, you know, outdoor experiences like zip lining and climbing huge poles and everything because it, it, it confronting your fears is the best thing. And then like I went to Heal for Life, which is um, a camp for people who were victimized as children, whether it was just your parents hated you or sexual assault or whatever. And there was elements of that where you did challenging experiences. And I do believe that challenging experiences can change your life. But then I also watched the first season of SAS where they had the torture at the end, which wasn't, it was against all UN principles and they had people yeah, but listening it's also to a reality tv show yeah but are they actually giving people ptsd like is it really cool oh, until no. this point and now you've got you know stars who are now permanently affected forever because they had to listen to screaming babies in their ears for six hours well i certainly haven't heard anything like that in any interviews or them come out afterwards on instagram and say that contracts are pretty good i i i find it weird that they shouldn't be paid for appearing on a nationally televised yeah. show. I'm not saying, no, I didn't I, say shouldn't I be paid, Rob. I did strange. not say shouldn't be paid. I said give the money back. No. <laughs> they, they're there to make some money and maybe get a life-changing experience. Why can't you have both? 
let's take a look at the ratings race for week 39. And it was the Blues in front with a network share of 29.3, followed by the Reds on 29.1. Team 10 had 18.3, the national broadcaster was fourth on 15.4, and SBS had 7.9. It was the Reds who took the lead in primary channels, though, with a 21.4% share to 20.7 for Team Blue. Nine Gem and Ten Bold tied for first place in multi-channels. Nine One, 16 to 39s and 25 to 54s. Mock, the block is doing well for nine, home and away is strong for seven, but the Mars Singer doesn't seem to be firing for 10 compared to previous seasons. Am I reading that right? Yeah, it's flipping up and down. I mean, last season, I think, it, well, last week, sorry, I think it was its lowest season premiere, but it's only been, what, this is the third season now? So they don't have heaps of precedent to lean against. Um, it, Can I just say I'm confused by 10 this year because their program – Well, uh, <laughs> from the point of view that their program seemed to be doing less than last year, the only um, uh, winner is Survivor. But last year they were constantly coming forth behind the ABC. This year they were a strong third. There's, there's no way the ABC will beat them in total people – into third spot, mm-hmm. relegating 10 to fourth. So how are they having lower their, – their show's doing worse this year, but they've got a higher share? Oh, there hasn't been the, the buzzier, bigger programs on, on the ABC. You know, in fact, for the it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the total TV stuff plays out because the stuff that is usually big numbers for the ABC is drama and those kinds of things. And we're mm. seeing big catch-ups there, but nothing much in the overnights. And I think – yeah, we've seen the move of Q and A to Thursday nights oh, at disaster. an earlier time slot, which has been a disaster both in programming and in ratings. Um, it's dropped, I think, on average three hundred thousand a night just in that move. Um, mm. So, I mean, they're they're paying for their sins in that regard. As for ten, look, I'm really unhappy that. Um, uh, making it hasn't fired. I get it why people aren't loving it, but I love it. To si- love it sick. They've really done a great job on that show, and I'm really enjoying it. They the- they just failed to get the audience there. It's not. Yeah. I have no idea whether it's a good or bad show, and I I can't lay any claim to that because, like the rest of Australia, where I haven't watched. But there was nothing about the way that show was promoted or the look of it that got people in, including myself, and I was very vocal about that. That. I was just like, this looks like a turd, and it's obvious Australia agreed with me. That's the challenge for 10, though, in any of their new formats, and for a lot of their existing formats, is they're not getting the eyes there. You know, mm, at but the moment, got a high share. SAS Australia and, and um, the Masked Singer are, are fighting it out for second place, and at times it's tight, and at times it's very not. Um, and and that's that's not good business for ten who are trying to claw back and prove that they've got some goods and all of the rest of it. I mean, I'm mm. I'm now really worried about what the Bachelorette season that's coming is going to do because it doesn't no, sound like it's going to be great. I I have my spidey senses are telling me it's going to be a failure. But Aaron, let me ask you. I keep seeing these figures for the Mars Singer because they're doing the split of the um, uh, the Mars Singer revealed. And the normal show, the normal show is rating below SAS Australia, but the reveal is rating higher than uh, SAS Australia. Where's it all uh, evening out? So what's the what's the final result? Oh, no, don't start me on that one. Malk and I have had plenty of conversations about this offline because <laughs> I did see something in Slack and oh, I'm not trying to create an on-air argument, but I'm genuinely interested in where things are falling. I, I think I think where that was is because because they provide this figure. I mean, it's, sometimes it's 100,000 or more just for the reveal. And then when Malk does his daily analysis on, on the ratings, basically um, averages the figures and then gives another figure, which I say is, is totally incorrect because is mo- like most, yes, because most of the show is that first figure, obviously say it's 500,000 mm-hmm. and just 10 minutes of, of the, of the next one is 600,000 to, to suggest that 550,000 on average are watching the show is not right. It's actually 500,000 people are watching the show and then 600,000 are watching the last 10 minutes averaging something. Um, and to put it in, 
I suppose bigger isn't to that how averages work. There still were a lot of people watching that last ten minutes, it, and it, you take it, the two figures and divide by two. That's no, average. but if you use a bigger figure, like for example, a million viewers for a show, and then two million watch a reveal, and then to suggest one point five million actually average for the whole show is just that's how the ratings work, mate. They take the averages of the fifteen minute splits. Uh, or the averages, if you want to take it down to minute by minute and take all the minutes and divide by 60 and you get your yeah, average but- for the hour. And sometimes you you hear uh, networks talk about it all the time. We've got a peak of 1.8 million oh, people. It doesn't off. mean 1.8 million people watch no, but, but- the show. It just means that, but when you average that out, it comes down to 900,000 or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, but it, it's still the same show. So even if it's 15-minute yeah. blocks, they say on average – this mm. many people watch the show. But there's a big difference, and this is why they put the reveal episodes in, because the reveal is actually substantially bigger than than the rest of the show. And there's yeah. not, there's just not the average amount of people watching over that period of time. There uh, is and a, there, I buy your argument. But there's a the group, problem is that's an average. That's what averaging is. That's mathematics. Yeah, but when you're trying to compare two shows between, for example, 7.30 and 8.30 and say this many watch this, this and this, mm-hmm. and then average a reveal in, and then that inflates that entire time slot to a point where... But it would have it- done anyway. If they had coded the show correctly as the one split, they'd still end up with that figure because that is the average. Possibly better. Yeah, but they at the end of the day, though, they provide those two figures. So between 7.30 and 8.30, as an example, 500,000 people are watching... The Mars Singer compared to compared to example SAS or the Block, and then you know for the last ten minutes it's like that Celebrity Apprentice Channel Nine did the same thing. You know it was actually come on, pr- they all they do all it. do it, mate. The and voice I, did it for to be honest, finale. I have a problem with it. I understand split coding for in the morning. Nobody's watching Sunrise for three hours. It makes perfect sense to split Sunrise into early the main show, and if they go out longer or whatever. And Studio 10 and, and Today and Today Extra and all those things. Split cutting makes sense in the early part of the morning. But in prime time, it makes it makes sense for the spinners, but it's not legitimate the show. to split um, programs up into winner revealed and all those kind of things because it's just trying to create a headline when the actual fact is it's the same show and we know that people, if they're watching a primetime program, they're more likely to watch the whole show, not a 15-minute block like they do in Sunrise while they're getting ready in the morning and going out to work. Without boring Sarah and the one other person that's left listening, um, (laughs) I think the common ground that Aaron and I have here is that split coding is a bad idea. It's just a bad idea. Yeah. The reason that it's done, and we've discussed it now, we've discussed it before, is only for headlines. It's so that... Network can say, our program got 11 billion people watching it for five minutes, you know, to, to have the little, we the winner bit got us all of the things. Um, the challenge that we face in how we talk about it and how we report it is that when it is officially split-coded through Oztem, because that's the only way we get to see the numbers, is that we get the show, we get the reveal, if we talk about uh, The Masked Singer. And compare that to the other two programs that have just gone, here is our entire program. They're averages as they are anyway. They're minute by minute. It's all rolled up and averaged out. So we're already working with an averaged number that might have peaked earlier. It might have peaked later in the program. That helped it or the lead-in or, as we know, the lead-in or the show that followed it actually helped it. That's why these shows run well over their their allotted time. You see that with Have You Been Paying Attention, it draws an audience to that time slot and it boosts the show before it. Absolutely. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thank you, Rob. Seven West Media has announced the establishment of the David Leckie Seven Scholarship Program in memory of the former CEO who passed away in July. The program offers a 12-month scholarship for a junior graduate with a passion for sales, programming, or news. The ABC is helping Australians prepare for emergencies this summer with a new interactive incident map and post-disaster podcast series. The map includes information from key emergency and support services, allowing users to check events in their area as well as other locations around the country. Stansport is adding to their collection, securing a new broadcast deal for English Premiership Rugby. The Nine-owned streaming platform will air more than 130 matches live and exclusively from September to December. And 
Sex and the City star Willie Garson has died age 57. His death was confirmed to Variety by family members. A cause of death has not been confirmed, but Sex and the City executive producer Michael Patrick King said Garson was not well. Deadline reported Garson had been battling cancer. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, we talk with Nine's programming boss, Hamish Turner, and find out what we've been watching throughout the week. You're listening to TV Black Bucks. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, as we discussed earlier, the Nine Network held its annual Upfronts presentation last week, and that always leads to Mog's annual chat with programming boss Hamish Turner. Hamish, 2021 has again been a diabolical year for making television thanks to COVID, yet Nine have consistently put out some great product across the year. Congratulations, first of all. Thanks, Steve. And, yeah, that's a testament to, you know, uh, obviously the team at Nine, but also our production partners who, you know, I I can't say they've done it easy because it has been an absolute slog, especially uh, the last couple of months has been really challenging. But, you know, it just... um, it just kind of makes everyone lift and go to another level. Uh, and, and they've all done an amazing job to, to deliver in, in a really tough time. You guys won't know yourself in 2022 when you'll just be able to make whatever television you want, hugging people, all sorts of things. No, absolutely. We're looking forward to having a bit of a clear run. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully we all get vaccinated and, uh, you know, we can uh, we can start 2022 afresh. Because I remember 2020, everyone's like, see you 2020. Yep. And then in 2021... <laughs> turned out to be possibly worse but uh no no always a half class full so uh, we're ready to embrace 2022 and how could we have thought that it was going to get any worse than 2020 anyway the interesting stuff for me right and i appreciate that programs for programmers are like kids you're not allowed to pick your favorite yet we all have them uh is has there been one that stood out for you as a real performer for nine in 2021 Oh, look, I think, you know, you, you, you love all your kids differently. Um, <laughs> That's and they very, all come, very diplomatic. They all come, they all come with their own challenges. Um, but, you know, I love different shows for different reasons. You know, Lego Masters, because of the way that that came to be, um, mm. was obviously, you know, a very different show in the UK. And, and uh, obviously the Nine team and Endemol Shine kind of came together and really created something something new. And, you know, the same can be said for uh, Married at First Sight. And now we've seen actually that just being exported back into other territories like the UK where it's going gangbusters, where they've just uh, adapted their format to kind of um, align with obviously the Australian experience. And actually yeah. the only upside I can think of from uh, COVID was the fact that uh, some of the internationals uh, really had to look elsewhere to find content. Um, and uh, they came to Australia, and uh, Australia, uh, Mass Australia was picked up by um, yep. by Channel Four, um, and Lego Masters Australia is running over there at the moment. So, um, you know, a, an upside would be that uh, Australian content is definitely being uh, the the, um, the the plate of the day over there. The block at at its seventeenth season that we're seeing play out right now on Nine has been an absolute workhorse for you guys. And just when we thought, you know, you couldn't do much more with it, you're ready to take it out for a beer next year, uh, and it's moving to the country. Tell us about the block tree change. Yeah, look, the, the block tree change. Um, I think is kind of a sign of the times. Um, you know, everybody has been through a very difficult past two years, and we know that. Uh, real estate and property has really boomed across that um, that coastal fringe and also uh, those country yep. areas. And we know regional Australia in particular has seen um, a real uptick in terms of people wanting to get that tree change and kind of live their best life. Um, and so I think we're tapping into the zeitgeist. We're tapping into, you know, what people are aspiring to do, um, what COVID has allowed them to do. Uh, and so I think the block will be very much reflective of that. Uh, and I think it, it's great to be able to iterate formats um, over time. And as you, as you say, 17th season, you, you've always got to um, 
you've always got to try some new things. And I think this is going to be a really positive thing for the show. Look at it. It's ready to leave the nest. It's going out into the country. I mean, who? you can't ask for much more for your babies to grow up and do that, can you? No, you can't. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing is it, it just provides us with such a different palette to play with, yep. um, a different landscape and a different way of living. And I think that'll really kind of play into the, the narrative of the show. I can promise you it's been the conversation du jour at, uh, within Gisborne itself. Uh, a friend of mine lives there and he said he hasn't been able to go into a coffee shop without overhearing conversations about where they're buying the property and who's going to do what and whatever. You guys are basically, you've bought a massive block of land and you're just turning it into a subdivision, yeah? Oh, well, I, I think a subdivision selling it a little bit short. I think uh, sure. it's, it, it, it's going to be very much a romanticised view of, of, of country living. Um, and I think it's going to, you know, tap into all the things that, you know, make the country such an amazing place to live um, and, and really tap into the theme of it being a tree change, you know. Uh, I'm originally from Victoria. We've got a dairy farm uh, down in Western Victoria and, you know, there's nothing better than getting down there and just kind of escaping. Yep. And I think escapism is a real quarter to, to the premise. Mate, you're really going to work the landscapers over time, that's for sure. Um, they can <laughs> have some it. big tracks of land to work on. And, you know, the good thing for the sales guys is they can start tapping into some new clients, you know, John Deere's <laughs> and the like. You know, it's, it's, it's a plethora of uh, new opportunity. There'll be Stratco sheds everywhere, mate. I can promise you that. <laughs> now, it, it's it's not unusual for an upfront announcement to give us a whole bunch of stuff coming for the following year, but you guys have managed to sneak in a couple of new titles out of the blue that are going to land on our screens before Christmas, not least of which Lego Masters Christmas, which I cannot wait for. Um, Country Home Rescue with Shane Blaze. Give us some info. What's happening? So, obviously, uh, we, we've, we've charted um, Shana's uh, journey through the block and Selling Homes Australia, and obviously she was the winner of Celebrity Apprentice. Yes. Uh, and from that show, you know, we heard her story um, uh, and her experience of, of domestic abuse, and this was really a passion project for her, and, and off the back of uh, Celebrity Apprentice, she came to us and, you know, pitched in the, this idea of um, creating, uh, creating a kind of country escape um yes. and we love that we loved we love to hear about it it's a really a family um a family project for her and her kids um and it's going to be down placed down in kyneton obviously uh country victoria mm-hmm. um and you know i just think what will come through is you know her real passion for both the project of bringing something back to life but also the kind of underlying message of how she sees this really as a healing home as being a place of refuge, um, so I th- think you'll you'll both get an insight into her and what's kind of shaped her as a person and her family and her relationship with her kids, um, yep. and that'll manifest through you know the, the the bringing back to life of a beautiful home. There are a whole bunch of other kind of tentpole series that are playing out. The block we talked about, maths is somehow going to be bigger and more controversial than before. Always is. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, and already, right? This is the one thing that we can depend on the Daily Mail and, uh, and you know, the, the pedestrian and those kinds of places to go looking. Punky, um, they've already spotted some Instagram influencers in the cast just from the sizzle reel. And they're already what started. Is what is an Instagram influencer? How many Who even knows, followers? mate? How many followers do you actually need? A lot, apparently. I, I, I think the definition of an Instagram follower these days is literally if you don't have your uh, account on private. That is that is, <laughs> that is the core of the definition. So well, uh, I think it's a, a bit of a catch-all. But I get they have to write headlines. And, uh, you know, if it's awareness for the show, then uh, so be it. Which brings us to Love Island Australia. The move to Byron is, uh, look, both a production necessity uh, but also I think a real great opportunity to highlight a pretty amazing region. You guys are doing it in a couple of ways, but with Love Island Australia, what can we expect? Just more of the same? Beautiful people doing things that are loving on each other? Oh, look, I think the the premise of the show is that uh, there's a level of uh, of beauty, absolutely, um, and it's a bit of fun in the sun. Uh, you know, we've got a big twist this year coming, um, so a, a big format point that uh, is used uh, in the international versions that is going to mm-hmm. be um, great for the show. Um, you know, we, we had a year off last year because of COVID, so I'm just excited to kind of bring it back. And as we announced, we've got um, a, a companion show called Love Island uh, After Party with Abby Chatfield. Yeah. Uh, and the response we've got to, to bringing Abby to the network 
and her association with the show has been great to see. So um, I think it just broadens out um, the show. I think, you know, our prime campaign has really been about tapping into, you know, Australia um, and, and um, you know, celebrating it. And I think that'll be kind of part of the IP of the show as well. So I think there's a real hunger for it. Um, you know, through necessity, we, we yep. first moved it back to Australia. Uh, and then had to shift it out of Queensland. Um, but, uh, you know, it's up and running. It's ready to go and it'll, and it'll be here in, you know, a couple of weeks. So um, uh, for the people who love that show, uh, I think I think we've got an amazing set of uh, characters and cast this year. Uh, they, call, they print a little bit differently to years past, um, but I think uh, it'll just be full of entertainment, fun and, you know, a little bit of drama and, and hopefully some love. And it does massive business for you guys, particularly on catch up and Bevod, doesn't it? The Love Island format. Yeah, look, it is unashamedly uh, a young, skewing show, um, and you know uh, that's what attracts such a, a strong audience uh, across um, you know our Bevod platform uh, in Nine Now, and the uh, companion show after After Sun has also kind of been built around that. But you know, sixteen to thirteen year olds love it. Um, and we know that, you know, they're happy to watch wherever. Uh, and so both the VOD and the live streaming numbers we're expecting to be huge on Nine now. Yeah. And, and, and particularly now that we're starting to talk about the, uh, the total TV numbers that include BVOD and, you know, Consolidated 7, that's uh, a really distinct, um, uh, you know, portion of the conversation now for Nine for all the commercial networks, um, particularly in how... The trend that we're seeing, and you guys would have noted it before it really became super public, that drama benefits greatly, particularly out of the notion that we're happy to watch, you know, the reality shows and keep up with that. But where we've got our dramas, that's the stuff that we might watch live, but we're actually also probably going to play catch up or record and watch two or three eps at once. And you guys are dropping two big new dramas next year. Is the intention to lean into that or is it we're still hoping for the biggest overnight audience? Um. I think for us, you know, we're happy to to, to get audience uh, wherever they want to consume it. Um, I think what you're touching on from a Bevo perspective and, you know, where the shift has really happened over the past kind of year and a half is in the connected TV space. We've really seen um, huge growth in, in people buying connected TVs and then connecting those connected yep. TVs. Um, and actually what you're getting is just, um, you know, the, the old linear experience via P. Uh, the difference is that the audience is a lot younger. So it's those early adopters that are going in and, and now watching um, live uh, Channel 9 via an IP account. Uh, but to answer your question, um, you look for us, you know, both Married at First Sight and, and Love Island, you know, deliver huge um, both VOD audience, so on-demand audience sure. and live streaming numbers. Um, and I'd say, you know, they probably outweigh some of those dramas that you're talking about. I think the ABC do a great job in terms of um, obviously – Cat, uh, delivering audience via iView, and I, I'll note uh, Fisk delivered a huge amount of its audience via that. So, mm -hmm. but for us with the dramas, you know, we expect to get, um, you know, our fair share of audience via via linear, uh, but we also expect to, you know, get a big footprint on on Nine now. But for us, it doesn't matter where we get it; we're, we're happy to get it um, as long as they come to us in some way, shape, or form. It would be remiss of me not to ask about Snack Masters because I am intrigued. And Evie Jones. They are, what a combination. Snacks and Evie, phenomenal. But I know that Evie's not the, the top line name on this. Tell us about Snack Masters. Uh, we've obviously got Scott and Poe as the, uh, the two hosts. But mm -hmm. also Evie, as you mentioned, is a really important part of the show. She goes out to factories. She goes meets the actually makes, you know, the twisty. Gets a bit of an understanding about the history of the twisty, how it came to be. We might look at some of the amazing... Um, uh, advertising campaigns that you've had or the jingles that you might have had. Yeah. So it really touches that nostalgia and kind of the retro feel of of those snacks. So um, in season one, obviously, we're doing the Twisty, we're doing the Whopper, we're doing Cadbury Favourites, and we're doing the Drumstick. Uh, and so yeah. each of those, you know, are Aussie snacks. Um, and, you know, we're really going to tap into to everything that I've just mentioned. But uh, you'll have a bit of a retro vibe coming over the top of it. So, you know, it, um, it's, uh, it's something I'm really looking forward to, to, to bringing to screens uh, this year. Excellent. I cannot wait. Now I want twisties. As far as, and I appreciate that, that uh, sport is not your direct remit. However, the stuff that you guys are putting on screen from a sport perspective is really significant for Nine, isn't it? You've now got the Grand Slam of Tennis. 
that's got to be a massive advantage to, to Nine and, and certainly to its viewers and, of course, advertisers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's great to add the US Open to the suite of tournaments that now gives us the Grand Slam. And we've also got the Labor Cup and the Davis Cup. Um, so, you know, we obviously had a, a great tournament uh, with Wimbledon and uh, Ash Barty. Um, yep. But, you know, this, this kind of talks to our total TV vision. Uh, obviously, uh, Stan's a big part of that. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I think next year the Australian Open again delivers that uh, amazing platform for us to kind of launch our, our new year's slate. And, uh, you know, with Ash kind of um, obviously winning Wimbledon, uh, I think once you get to the third or fourth round of the US Open, mm-hmm. uh, I think it might be her year for the Aussie Open. So, um, you know, and the great thing is obviously we shifted three weeks later last year. Hopefully this marks the opening of Australia. Um, and, you know, we yeah. can get going and kind of uh, go on that journey with the rest, rest of the country and make it a real celebration. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? It really would. Yeah, look, I, I do believe that it will signal and this summer is going to signal kind of the reopening of Australia. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, there's been, you know, probably a lot of brands that have been dormant through um, the past 18 months have really struggled through the last 18 months. And I think... Um, you know, I think you know. I think Steve O said in the upfronts, it's, we're looking at the Roaring Twenties, and I think, um, mm. you know, bring it on. Well, integrations, particularly, uh, and and you know, specific placements, owning platforms and owning programs are really key to advertisers in the way they want to you know buy in and be involved. And we see that across some of the great formats that you guys have got already. Um, how's Nine's relationship with the NRL? Yeah, great. We've got a really strong relationship with the NRL. We've had uh, a very long relationship with the NRL. Uh, and we're obviously talking to them a moment about that relationship moving forward. But we, we love NRL. We love the sport. Um, it's doing an amazing job for us at the moment through finals. Record numbers on nine now. Um, so, I, you know, I can't... Uh, talk more highly of, of what those guys are doing over there with the sport and um, you know our relationship's never been stronger. There is scuttlebutt within the industry that um, you know other networks might be circling just to try and pick up the origin I'd be, I, I would imagine that that's a big Steve, part I've of the never, I've never I've never experienced in my 18 years at nine a uh, renegotiation for sports right where there isn't scuttlebutt so <laughs> <laughs> if there wasn't then you know I'd be worried. For sure. You guys would obviously want to hang on to the origin, right? Of course. You, you would never want to break up a sport like NRL and um, have it carved off in individual pieces. So, yeah, it goes without saying. We're not yet at an American model where we have Thursday night football here and, you know, Sunday night football somewhere else? No, no, we're not. Uh, you know, we've, we've got that obviously with uh, Foxtel in the mix, but mm-hmm. uh, if you start carving it up, you know, with different free-to-air partners, with different games, it completely undermines your commercial model. Um, it would be remiss of me, actually, Hamish, if, if you've got a moment, to talk about the ratings race. Um, it's tighter than the proverbial, isn't it, really? If we talk at not just um, total people, but, of course, the demos, it's it's we're really tapering hard for the last, what, 10 weeks of the ratings year and then, of course, the the, the last bit of the year. Well, look, you know, as, nine as a business, we've always been focused on the demos, 2554, 1639s and GBs with kids, and, and that hasn't changed and uh, our rhetoric hasn't changed for the past five to six years. Um, How you so going in the under-50s? In those demos, well, we, Sorry. Haven't select, we haven't selected that one as, uh, <laughs> as our demo. Um, but, uh, you know, we're leading all those demos. Um, you know, that's what we commission based on. Um, and you know what you'll what you've seen recently is obviously uh, the the Voz uh, data starting starting to come into play, yes. uh, and just talking about the change of consumption as I talked about before, connected TVs, etc. So you know um, you know daily I'm measuring how we're going on nine now, what that audience looks like on now nine now, what the demos look like on nine now. And it's really that cross platform um, view of things. So. We're ahead of the demos. Um, Nine now is, you know, uh, number one from a from a on demand perspective. Uh, and you exclude the Olympics. They had, seven had a, a blockbuster two weeks for the Olympics, yeah, no yeah. doubt. Uh, record numbers, you know, r- ridiculous numbers, kind of over two hundred million minutes a day through that period. But exclude that, and uh, we're well ahead. You know, we were going. I think we were fifty. We had a fifty percent share of the audience going into that period. Uh, and I think excluding it, we've still got a 50% share. So um, it's about having consistent audience across 
52 weeks of the year and, yep. and um, delivering a, a great marketing platform for both our audience and advertisers. Do you think that we'll see the year out where a primary channel wins wins one market and, and that the, the network wins as separates as opposed to a combined overall approach? Because uh, it's way for so, thin in some of that. Well, in terms of like we look at our network numbers and we obviously yep. look at the uh, the primary numbers. Um, our primary focus is on the primary numbers and the demographics. Uh, so ultimately at the end of the year, we'll talk about 25 T4s and, and, and sure. how, we, how, we, how we went in that number in that demo. I, I um, have referred to the cheating scandal on the block as the Blocks Olympics, uh, just simply because of how it came out so well from, you couldn't have timed it better, honestly. I know that the block worked its butt off during the Olympics. You had to program something in there and, and uh, it we did okay. Beauty, but... We had beauty in the geek through the Olympics. But, um, I'm sorry, I did yeah, come look, off I, the back. You're right. I think we, I think we um, you know, every Olympics that hasn't been on nine, we know it has a big halo effect and, and it's a great marketing platform for all their brands. But eventually that halo kind of dies and yep. um, everything normalizes. And so for us, uh, the block, you know, had to work hard for those first four weeks. Um, and then the cheating scandal arrived and it really kind of got into its stride. And, you know, obviously things like Survivor and um, The Voice kind of have finished and they've got their new shows. So the block uh, is really delivering for us at the moment, doing great numbers demographically. Um, and, um, you know, it'll take us deep into the year. As, uh, as, competition and, and new ideas are needed in the market. Do you think we'll start to see some of the crossover in your nostalgia brands where we get married at first block or beauty and the apprentice or something like this? Yeah. Look, I think that's what all the celebrity shows are for, aren't they? That's, that's <laughs> the place where, you know, you bring them all together and they do the merry, merry dance. Um, yep. So uh, yeah. Look, Australian celebrities play. behind bars. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. You tell me. That's that's that'd be a good one actually. Uh, so yeah, hybrid shows. That's the way of the future. No, I don't think there's ever been a hybrid show that's ever worked. So uh, <laughs> it just diminishes we'll and the, diminishes, um, doesn't it? We'll keep the celebrity formats as the place that we bring together those those uh, that, that that talent pool. Hamish, you've been really generous with your time. Thank you so much. What's the one thing we need to look out for on nine screens in 2022? Um, I think, look, I, you talked about the dramas. I'm really looking forward to bringing back Underbelly and uh, the Melissa Caddick story. I think it was going Van- Vanishing Act. Uh, we've got an amazing cast aligned for that. Um, I think, uh, um, I think uh, you know, the two dramas uh, are going to be really strong. And, you know, we've read a lot about dramas in the press over, over the past year. But I think us as a business across both Stand, Nine Now and Nine have, have never... Um, had a stronger drama footprint or Australian drama footprint and supporting the industry. Um, so, you know, I think uh, from both what we're doing and what Stan's doing, I'm really looking forward to that drama output. Um, but for us, you know, I think it's bringing back big brands. And, I, you know, I, I personally, I'm looking forward to seeing the block uh, going to the country and, and, and what that brings, um, because I think it's a really exciting um, direction for the show to take. A cow at every kitchen window. Hamish, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. I look forward to uh, to just everything opening up and we get together and crack a beer. Absolutely, mate. Great to have a chat. Thanks for your time. Nice work, Mark. Okay, let's find out what everyone's been watching this week. Sarah, what's been on your TV binge box? Ooh, well, I opened up the seventh screening room and I watched a little bit more of the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Which yeah, I you love, love that, don't sh- you? I love it. It was funny because I opened it up because my husband actually said, hey, are there any more episodes of that Australian show? But when my husband actually asked me to watch, you know, the programs, then I know we're onto a winner when – because yeah, yeah. he yeah um and of course ncis how could we live without that um and then uh sas uh i I'm, i've watched the first three episodes so far okay very interesting uh i have on robo's suggestion been watching the goldbergs on amazon prime oh, video yeah. and i am devouring it i absolutely love that show it's nice and easy to watch. It's a fun show. It's Is this nostalgic. where I tell you I told you about it two years ago? Well, I've been taking your suggestions. I did watch Kevin Kinev himself, which it I thoroughly enjoyed. It only took two enjoyed. years for you to pick this one up after someone else told you. Oh, don't be like that. You sound like my wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't air on Channel 9. Um, 
And what I would also uh, say, Mark, is that I feel like I have to have a look at Ted Lasso. You've been mm. raving about it for so long. It obviously did well at the Emmys. And I, um, I, I just got a new iPhone. I got the iPhone 12 a week before they announced the iPhone 13. Good planning, <laughs> so but not. I, I think I get Apple TV for three months. Prompt. So I might take a look at uh, Ted Lasso. Um, but other than that, it's been my usual news consumption, really. I haven't had a lot of time this week to uh, watch much TV, but uh, Media Watch is always on the cards there, which I enjoy. Uh, but, Aaron, what have you been watching? Um, back to the rafters, obviously. That was excellent. I've watched all six episodes now, so that's great. Um that series, Mr. Corbin, talk about a show that started with so much potential, then just turned into a really weird and unwatchable show. It was crap. Um, Newsreader finale. What was Mr. Corbin on? Apple. Cool. Uh, the other thing was the big finale of the Newsreader on the ABC. Love to see that um, next year, so I hope that comes back. Rosehaven finale also on the ABC. Ended just the way it should have, in my opinion. It was great. Um, RFDS uh, finale, which is airing tonight. Well, it's a, well, would have aired last night by the time this goes to air. Um, I don't think it'll be back next year, which is completely unfortunate, but um, it was a great show. Masters of the Universe, watched the next five episodes, dropped on Netflix. What an absolute load of crap. But I'm sure Malkin... You didn't like the first five. I know, but the, the second five well, were your, worse. Your opinion is invalid because I love the first five. I'm looking the forward to The second five are even worse. Um, fires, um, I spoke to the, to the, one of the main stars of the show, Hunter Page Lashard, um, and that podcast will go up later this week. You can't watch them all at once. You only can watch one episode at a time. Um, and don't be because it's so emotional. You'll be wrecked. And watch, trying to watch two or three in a row would absolutely kill you. Um, but it's a great show. Um, and last thing is, I've said before, like biggest programming mistake of the year. Here's my next one: the biggest jump the shark show of 2021. It's on Channel 10, so I feel like for some reason I have to preface saying I'm not dumping on Channel 10. My two favourite shows are, you know, uh, two of my favourite shows are Gogglebox and Have You Been Paying Attention? But it is, and we've talked about it, The Masked Singer. What unwatchable crap. It, it oh. really is. The clues are so bloody obscure that nobody could reasonably have the opportunity at a guess at any of these people. Even all of the um, panellists are just not getting it. People are now going by sound, like one of them does sound like Jack Vigeon, but by clues it is almost impossible. Uh, Osher's constant yelling at the screen is getting annoying, and the biggest gripe by far is, you know, it was funny when Ursula Carlson used to say, uh, you know, I think it's going to be Tom Cruise or something like that. And have, but they're all doing that now. So I think the person underneath the mask is Brad Pitt or it's, um, you know, Tom Hanks and it's Justin Bieber. And then they pull off the mask and it's George Columbaris and Mahalia Barnes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, stop guessing those stupid guesses. I think it's completely unwatchable now. You know, it could be Tom Hanks. He was in the country filming. Yeah, but he's not going on the Masked Singer. He's not. <laughs> but he's know. not. Fair, you know that? Fair because because they pull it off and it's George Columbaris or some. Mate, so, there's still so, eight episodes to go. Oh, wind the tape back in in a few episodes, and and then when when Tom Hanks pulls off, say Aaron, you were completely wrong. <laughs> oh, what Mark, garbage! What have you been watching? Thoroughly disappointed by the Emmys broadcast oh, on Monday. It was woeful. The man I... formerly known as Cedric the Entertainer, now known as simply Cedric. <laughs> um, I know that he hasn't had any cut through shows here in Australia. Uh, I can see why. Um, it's which is a shame, right? Because obviously some people in America think he's a great performer. I just was completely underwhelmed. He's certainly not a comedian. Uh, and whoever they paid to write for him, please pay them more. Please get them to write jokes next time. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, the... the TV Black Box Awards, we may not have the star power that they had for the Emmys, but it will be a better broadcast. I'll be the judge of that. Uh, <laughs> coming, <laughs> uh, I, I was really impressed, actually, with some of the results. Like, huge congratulations to Netflix, to Apple, to HBO, who basically swept the pool. It was an incredible outcome um, for high-quality drama again and for us in australia most of that is seen via ip streamers um so wrap your life and gear around it friends 
As far as actual television, uh, not just television, about television, I watched the Brooklyn Nine-Nine finale and wow. felt warm and fuzzy inside. Um, actually, as an aside to that, my teenage daughter, who has been hooked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, has now started watching The Good Place. And I'm enjoying, because it's school holidays uh, and we're in lockdown. Brilliant. I'm really enjoying just popping into the lounge room and seeing what episode she's up to and how things are going with Michael and the rest of the, it's great. Oh my God, that's such a great show. She's hooked in a, a Fremulon zone. So I'm trying to get her onto <laughs> a few other, a few other shows. Um, on Paramount Plus, American Rust, starring Jeff Daniels and Maura Tierney. I'm, I'm transfixed. This is Mayor of Easttown, good for mine. Uh, slow, sort of Midwestern America crappy sort of who done it stuff, but we kind of know who done it. It's actually about how the police chief hides who done it from the investigators because he thinks it's his lover's son. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know the end. I haven't read the book. It's based on a pretty famous American book. Um, I will watch Jeff Daniels and Maura Tierney in anything. They are so great. Um, so that's and, a Paramount Plus. And, Mark, you'll be happy to know we're actually having an international guest on one of the uh, podcasts for that show. Um, so in a couple of days' time for American Rust. Great. Ooh, yeah. sizzle. Yeah. Good sizzle everywhere. Uh, oh, by the way, I've got some uh, exclusive sizzle. Uh, I know who uh, the kebab is on uh, The Mask Singer. But I won't tell you because Rob doesn't like spoilers. Um, no. The circus is back on Stan, and thank so good. Oh my god, it's so good, um, and it just makes me sad, Sarah, because I look at it and and to see those four people, and they've done a really great job. Two great political reporters, a former um, strategist for the Republicans, and a former strategist for the Democrats, just talking politics. And you guys have got some shit going on over there. Yeah, Billions is back. <laughs> season five is running out on stand. There's only a couple of episodes of that left. Season six is next year. Phenomenal, phenomenal television. And I loved RFDS. The finale was really great. Perfect cliffhanger for season two. Uh, more please, more please, more please. There's a whole lot more than that, but they're just the highlights. Uh, fantastic stuff. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box for another week. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for the very latest news and exclusive stories. And on Monday, you will be able to vote for the TV Black Box Awards. The nominations are in for the boxies. Seven, Nine, Foxtel and Amazon Prime have all contributed their nominations in addition to the folks at Media Spy and people who subscribe to the TV Black Box newsletter. They all had access to the Google document and they have all put in their nominations. So, wait until you see the nominations on Monday. Keep an eye out and you will be able to vote for the TV Black Box Awards. Thank you, Mog. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Aaron. We will see you next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.